Yo, bring it back. Here's what you've missed on the bright side. Well, as mentioned earlier, we are going to do a series this week on uh, autism, special needs, intellectual disabilities, and to uh, take us through all of that, we've got Dr. Natasha Riyad. She's a clinical psychologist with over 10 years experience and specializes in early childhood development, child and parent mental health and parenting. Uh, Dr. Natasha is also the clinical manager at the James Cook University Singapore Psychology clinic and she also has her own private practice you may remember that we also had her back in september joining us dr natasha so good to have you join us again yeah welcome back i'm happy to be back so let's get straight into it because this is a a huge huge topic um what are some of the early indicators for a parent if they feel there's something a little out of the ordinary with their child what should they be looking out for Mm. I actually, there's a very handy thing that all parents get once their child's born, and that's the health booklet. Okay. So I know it's something that we kind of toss aside, <laughs> um, but it's a very important book to look at, mm-hmm. not just for their medical needs and their vaccinations, um, but it has all those developmental milestones. So that is actually the first thing I would recommend. Okay. That take that kind of seriously, open it. You know, there's four to eight weeks, there's some kind yeah. of screening and and all the months and all that. So it has language, uh, personal social skills, gross motor, fine motor. So those are things that are very important. I will admit I get a little bit competitive. So I look <laughs> at the health book and they're like, can my child do this? Of course he can. But it's like, you know, a five-year-old, I'm like, no, no, he can. Come, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... So it's something to kind of look at. And what's nice is that it's there's a range, right? So it's like, let's say, four to eight weeks and then like, I don't know, 15 to 18 months or something. But it's something that you need to check and you get reminded mm. because when you go for those vaccinations, it's a reminder for you to kind of open and look at it. Something I think I would like to say is that it's, it's sort of conservative, actually. I think sometimes parents go in and think that, oh, no, these are like A-star or like goal, like my child can do it, then <laughs> like it's, it's very good already. But it's actually quite conservative if you look at it. So take it quite seriously because it's really like baseline. They're ah. looking for you to just meet that baseline. Mm. So if they're not meeting it, then it's something for you to sort of like wanna okay ca- catch on right. so it's not like oh my child can can do this it's still okay you know so look at what it is that the item is and then look at there'll be one where it's like 90% of children can do this by a certain age mm. so that's a lot of children yes. who can do it by that age and so they're not hitting that yeah so it's a very conservative thing mm-hmm. I, I mean if i may just relate um i, I didn't really look at the booklet a lot I will just uh, put my hand up. Um, but it, it was on a holiday where we, we saw our three-year-old um, who was already not speaking much. And that is obviously um, one of the, the indicators, right? Um, just was really behaving, uh, obviously, in a new environment outside of the home. We were away on a holiday for nine days. The behavior was certainly um, very intense, um, putting it very kindly. And it was out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Something just sparked us. Um, what was the one thing that actually the made one you thing kind of was like we were in our hotel room uh, in the evening after a great day out and uh, there's a balcony with our attached to our room and he was just out on the balcony it was, it was, there's a high barrier and stuff so we weren't worried but he decided he thought we were on the third floor he decided right at the bottom of the balcony there was a little gap mm. decided he might lower himself or try to lower himself 
through that. So all he could do was fit his legs through the, the, the little space at the bottom of the balcony. And he went, hey, mama, papa, bye, like that. Oh, Lord. And I was like, ah. So obviously there's no way he could have gotten out. But mm. he thought it was fun just to dangle his legs out from the bottom of the balcony. Now, that is a lack of uh, awareness of danger is definitely, you know, that night we, we really panicked and we started Googling, which is also not a very good thing to do because... And so I'm sure Dr. Natasha will tell you. <laughs> Dr. Google. Right. I was like, oh my goodness, you know, he's got this, that, around. But it, it just kind of already, for us, it kind of told us something's not quite right. Mm-hmm. Um, a little of the, out of the ordinary. So mm-hmm. that's where we uh, decided to take action. Yeah, I think it could be anything. I think mostly when they when children come in and parents are concerned, it's usually about language. Yes. It'll be like the first thing they will notice that their child's not talking yes. and tantrums. Right. So it's sort of like very unexplainable, like we have no idea why he's crying all the time and getting kind of, you know, angry about certain things and it seems way out compared mm. to maybe other children we had or other children that we know. Correct. So I feel like those are the two big things that that bring children in. It's hard to define sometimes because kids have tantrums a lot, yes. don't they? Um, <laughs> and, you know, we we had an elder brother, our uh, mm. uh, uh, elder son, sorry, um, to kind of use that as a, as a comparison. So that mm. was that was uh, a good way for us to make that that um, kind of a diagnosis on our own. Mm. All right. We are learning so much this morning already with Dr. Natasha Riyad and our special series happens this week on autism. If you have any questions, do drop them via WhatsApp 88550913. We're also live on Facebook. You can comment. Leave us your questions there as well at facebook.com slash 1FM913. The conversation continues online and back with more with Dr. Natasha in just a bit. What are some of the differences between diagnosis and delays, Dr. Mm. Natasha? Yeah. So delays um, can be short term, can be long term, can be permanent. So sometimes they're just biological. That means like, you know, your child's already born that way. The brain is kind of shaped in a certain way Mm -hmm. and you know it's going to be maybe a permanent thing. Well, I say you know, but we don't really know until later down the road. So um, delays, typically you're going to sort of like go for intervention and you know, you have that individualized plan um, and then you're kind of going through that process and waiting till about five or six, I would say seven, like the latest, but about five or six Mm -hmm. delays then, if they're still there, then fall into kind of more of a disorder because especially if you're working with it very long term, like since young, Mm -hmm. but when they're caught later, like you have a child that's like five or six, I think... We'll start off with intervention first, just to see how things go. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's hard to, it's, I think it's harder to say once they're a bit older. But I guess what I'm talking about is that that delay is that time when you catch them at quite early. And then about five to six, you really want to be seeing some improvements through intervention by then. So this and, could be on anything like language, uh, psychomotor. Exactly. Okay. So it can be biological or it can be exposure. So, for example, lack of exposure can make things that mm. are actually not biologically a, like a true delay mm. be delayed. Yeah, okay. I think um, lots of things, I think especially in Singapore, I think the physios and the OTs want to bring it up is that people don't put their children on the floor anymore. Mm. So, <laughs> there's like a lack of tummy time, children aren't like crawling. Um, I think especially if uh, during oh. covid Playgrounds were closed, so you're looking at some gross motor delays probably because children are not really like climbing up 
yeah. sliding down, doing all of those things. So, so that's kind of circumstantial, like situational because of COVID. Yeah, or right. just like lack of exposure because, you know, um, maybe just different kinds of families, what they might focus on, um, at risk, like if, you know, for example, maybe single parents, low income, they have lots of other things that they really need to attend to because physical health and just taking care of the family mm-hmm. is so important that maybe certain things are might be overlooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is that like true delay biological where by the time it's like five, six, seven, you know, it's time to get them formally assessed okay. in terms of schooling. And then there's the kind where, you know, for example, like Shazad mentioned where they start intervention and you can just see with your own eyes mm. that a specialized kind of thing really works. And um, I think intervention is definitely the way to go and parent involvement because mm. most of the time you're there with them every day and and at an early age, they need that frequency. Mm. That could come from the parents. Actually, when you speak of early intervention here, because we've got a question from Will, um, he says, you know, is there any way, any signs to look out for to sort of prevent autism? It's not about preventing autism, you would say, Mm. right? It's more about getting in there with early intervention. Is that correct way of looking at it? Yes. So autism is one of those things that even till today, this is multifactorial. There's no like one thing that like causes autism. Mm. I think it's safe to say that children are are born with autism and then you're sort of seeing symptoms play out much later. So there's nothing you can do to prevent. And I think I kind of want to put it out there as well that we're not trying to make children normal. Mm. Like we're not sort of saying, oh, with intervention, we want them to be just like their peers. Mm. I think the focus should be on their functional needs. Like what Mm. do you need? Mm. There's lots of things and lots of symptoms and behaviors related to autism that you don't have to change Mm. like why do you have to change the fact that they like one thing and they like it a lot Mm. unless it's kind of preventing them maybe from learning the things that you know that they would need to sort of like develop other skills of independence so just make sure that you know when you're looking at that child it's not like okay my desire is to make you normal and typical and be like everyone else because I don't. I mean, I personally don't think it should be. I think that's why those individualized plans are so important. You're looking at the child and going, actually, what does he need? Is it that he needs to 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 sit down a bit more and maybe start using the pencil, or mm. you know, does he need like what is it that basic functions, right? Yes, like yeah. to focus on those. I think that's a really beautiful thought, you know, it's about accepting who they are. I mean, they are individuals as well. It's not about changing them or making them normal. I mean, what is normal, right? Mm. Uh, we've got some really great questions from uh, those chi- uh, listening in on our Facebook Live. So we're going to head on over and share those questions with you as well. Come and join us. Please do keep your questions and comments coming in. Gurmit is asking the question, and, and this is something actually we were, were also going to pose to you, Dr. Natasha, is what is the spectrum uh, because I think as it's important to remember it's there is no one standard for autism and maybe you can explain what that spectrum is all about. Okay, so when we look at autism, if you're looking at it diagnostically, the things that we're kind of looking out for, so I think this ties into what I wanted to add on as well is that the process of diagnosis is that, that process that I talked about earlier but when you finally get into the door of a psychologist who's doing the actual diagnosis, we are interviewing the parents and get, and we are also doing something, a standardized assessment with the child. And we're looking at two very big things. The first one is the social interaction and social communication. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at 
like back and forth conversation, interest in other children, like non-verbal, um, like gestures. We're looking at all those things. That's the heart of it. Okay. And then the second part, we're looking at those repetitive, uh, any repetitive behaviors, interests, sensory um, things, uh, compulsions, rituals, like more behavioral. So those are the two big things. And that's what we like solely focus on. So when we look at the spectrum, we really mean that their behaviours can look different but like associated with those two things. So it means for some children, they have like zero sensory issues for, for, mm. for whatever reason yeah. and then some have a lot, very high. So that's that spectrum we're looking at that it can be, the intensity can be different, the behaviour itself can be different and then also their intellectual ability. So that's the other like, after we secure those two things, we're then looking what's at what is accompanying? Right. Is there language issues accompanying? Because not all children um, with autism mm. have language issues. Yeah. Some of them, in fact, are so wow. They're so well spoken and well read. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think those are the ones that uh, they they get diagnosed much later, mm. like nine or ten, mm. because you know all those things that I talked about, you won't see them, like the eye contact, yes. like the pointing, all those things that I mentioned. They'll be there. like, I can't tell the difference. Right. They're, they're and, and, and maybe um, expand, because you, you quite often hear uh, the, the phrases low functioning and, and high functioning mm. within the spectrum. Maybe yeah. you can expand on that. Okay. So I think I personally not a fan of those mm. terms because you can be a mainstream child mm. and then be called like high functioning, right? But in some sense, some parents are like, are they really high functioning? No, that within that mainstream, they are struggling so much more than their peers. Yeah. Um, so I don't really like that term. That, that labeling that labeling can be quite limiting, can't it? Yes. So um, I think when we talk about that, we're actually looking more at intellectual abilities. Uh, 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 when you're talking about the functioning part. Yes. When yeah. you're talking about the functioning, it's because you're looking at essentially if you if your child has an intellectual disability accompanying the autism, then that's when their needs are more. So I think one way to like think about the needs is when you look at your child or any one of us does that, can this child independently learn in a, you know, one is to 30 or one is mm. to 40 ratio mm. and like follow that mm -hmm. and sort of do, you know, like have all those skills that would help you with that. Mm. Or would they need one is to 12, one is to 10, one is to four. Mm. So the higher sort of like their needs, that means like they need a much smaller classroom and they need more of that small group or one-to-one -one care. I think that's what uh, I'm looking at when you're talking about functioning. Like mm. how much mm. support do you need? Mm. So I think, yes, it, once you get to that mainstream, it kind of means that like, oh, maybe you need lesser support compared to a child maybe with intellectual disability and autism that needs much more help. But then once you get to mainstream as a whole, it's a whole different ball game mm. because you and then the rest of the kids and then the teachers and the school environment, you could be needing a lot of help. Mm. We're, we're going to be talking about actually with Dr. Natasha in a couple of days' time on education yeah. and and um, primary school and, and and beyond. So we'll 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 keep that one on ice for now. Um, but w for today, our main sort of focus is on the early stages, the diagnosis, and also on um, early intervention. Yeah. All right. So, Dr. Natasha, thank you so much for joining us here in the studio. The Bright Side with Carol, Lavinia, and Shazad. Every weekday morning, 6 to 10 a.m. on 1FM 91.3.